0: You're listening to the Simple Growth Podcast, the show that helps business owners get their life back. Here's your host, Mike Callahan. O'clock last night.
1: Hey, welcome back to the SA Weekly Talk Show. Had some technical difficulties. Um, right back again with uh, Carla of uh, Landscaping Accounting of Cycle CPA. And uh, Carla, want to open it up really quick. Uh, obviously, you're an expert in the industry um, in all things accounting for lawn care and landscaping. If you're in a different industry, such as home cleaning, pest control, uh, or anything else along those lines, this is going to be applicable. You should don't um, you know, hop off this Facebook Live because there's going to be a lot of content applicable to any service business um, that is watching this. So Carla, if people haven't seen you on Facebook, um, you've been pumping a lot of really good, valuable content that's executable for specifically lawn care and landscape, but, but any service business I think would apply to this. So if you wouldn't mind really quickly, I know we're uh, kind of rehashing, what we just went through, we got kicked off, but, um, give a quick background if people are just tuning in of how you cut your teeth as a CPA and then how you ended up actually transitioning into the green industry.
2: Yeah. So, I um, I first started off at a small generalist firm, and we didn't really niche down on any industry and help trying to really help any industry per se. It just so happened that we had a lot of clients in the green industry. And so I saw the same reoccurring um, issues that they were facing, such as cash flow, um, profitability, um, and just not being aware of the um, financial statements and how to navigate their financial health. So also worked with um, a large CPA firm and um, we didn't niche down there either. But once I started um, forming my own business, I really became passionate in that small accounting firm on really helping the green industry. And so it was just a no brainer once I formed my own business to kind of help um. This industry and really learning everything that I can so I can guide them in the right direction.
1: Yeah, and I really appreciate you joining us. And I know, um, 20 years plus, almost now 25, with the lawn care business that I own, snow removal lawn care in upstate New York, uh, there was a lot of things through those 25 plus years that we were looking at cash flow, charts of accounts how do we keep our bookkeeping up to date, whether it's QuickBooks online or QuickBooks desktop. And, and when we're talking to that CPA, um, most of the firms that I use, pretty much all the firms that I used in my business were the generalists. They didn't understand what we went through in a daily basis and the cycles of cash flow and the different ways that when we lived in those trenches, how a service business should interact with an accountant. So um, I had to kind of go out and get my own education to be able to talk accountant talk in the service business and say, okay, You know what are we talking about? Are we talking about top line revenue or is it gross revenue? Or what are these different things? And what are you calling it on the the chart of accounts versus what's actually in my budget? So that was really uh, an interesting thing. But I figured out once we got the accountant, the business owner, and my financial advisor all on the same page talking the same language, that's kind of when the magic happened. Um, But before we really get into that, um, if you're just starting out, or even if you have a, a, an existing business, I think one of the most important things that you can bring some content to is entity structure. So a lot of people are going out and saying, well, should I do be a, do a DBA? Should I be an S corp? Should I be a C corp, an LLC? Or if I'm just starting out working, you know, out of the back of my garage, do I even need this or can I just kind of fly under the radar? So would you mind spending a few minutes just breaking down the different types of entities, the, the pros, the cons? And maybe based on whether it's a sole proprietor a partnership, maybe a husband and wife team, uh, is there certain things that play into a better uh, entity structure for taxes? And uh, I'm assuming you're probably going to hit on some liability or the ability to shield yourself from some liability as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, with these entity structures, I mean, a lot of the business owners are always okay. Wait, where can I pay less taxes legally? But Also, we have to consider some non-tax issues sometimes um, depending on your situation. So I think the one that is so popular is the LLC and that's because of all of the advantages that it has. And it's also very confusing to some um, small business owners and I um, totally understand just because the LLC does provide that limited liability, which is awesome. So if you get sued by anybody, they can't go after your personal assets. They they can go after only your business assets, which is a huge plus. Um, But the reason why it's a little confusing is because an LLC can be taxed as anything. It can be taxed as a sole proprietorship, S-corp, corp, and a partnership. So that's what makes it confusing, and I'll break that down right now. So under the IRS's eyes, if you are applying for an S Corp as a single member, you're automatically gonna be taxed as a sole proprietorship. So you're gonna file your taxes in your 1040, your personal tax return under your Schedule C like you normally would, but you're still getting that limited liability piece, which is awesome for someone who's just starting out but still wants that coverage, um, I think that is an awesome um, way to go. But if you're starting off with a partner, um, like you said, maybe a you know, husband and wife, the wife's going to do, you know, the bookkeeping side or like the admin side. They'll automatically place you as being taxed as a partnership. So two or more under an LLC under the default rules under the IRS, you're going to be taxed as a partnership. But you can be taxed as a corporation or an S corp. So you can, uh, if you're an LLC, you can be elect to be taxed as an S corporation or an um, a corp. So I think one of the major advantages of um, applying to be an LLC is the limited liability piece and also that it's so flexible. You know, if you start adding more revenue, more clients, if you start adding more employees or want to bring in a partner, it can go with you as far as taxing. Um, structures go. So you can elect to be taxed as an S corporation along the line, if that's what's going to benefit you. Um, Next up is a partnership. Like I had mentioned, that's two or more owners and a partnership is a flow through entity and a partnership itself does not get taxed on as an entity. Um, so all the, uh, net profit or losses at the end of the year flow through to the shareholders and then the shareholders, um, claim that on their personal side, but, um, and then in a corporation, uh, the corporation itself does get taxed at, uh, 21%. So. I think that once you are a corporation, you get you're getting taxed on your now operating profit at 21%. But also, if you're um, giving out distributions to its shareholders, you're going to get taxed again. So you have that double taxation right there. Um, in a sole proprietorship, you don't have any um, you don't have limited liability. So uh, you are the business, and the business is you. You're filing it under a Schedule C on your personal taxes, but it is low cost to form. So if you're starting off and you don't have a lot of money, it's only a couple hundred dollars to form. So that's a big plus. Um, And the simplicity of taxes, you just file your income and expenses on a Schedule C and you're done. It's very simple. Um, But what I see, what benefits the uh, landscaping industry the most and is the s corporation and that's because it does the s corporation gives you a limited liability and under the s corporation uh the entity itself is not taxable uh it is a flow through entity uh the profits flow through the shareholders and then you uh, take care of that on your personal side But also, um, you save money on self-employment taxes, uh, which are 15.3%, so a large percentage, and you save money on taxes that way by being an S corporation. So I see that as uh, the most advantageous for uh, landscaping business owners.
1: And Carla, I'm so glad you mentioned that. So that was one of the questions I was going to have for you, have for you. Is, is the benefit of that S corp versus that self employment tax? It almost pays for itself, especially yeah. w- with the ability of that corporate shield. So unless you're absolutely negligent and purposely run someone over, uh, I mean you, that corporate shield, you know, in itself is great. But then the these tax savings from that self employment tax um, is a massive benefit. So that's what we did in my business the early years, literally when I was in college, um, filed as an S corp and then bought the additional insurance for additional umbrella around that. But that yeah. that's huge. But I'm, I'm also glad you brought up the LLC because that's also a very interesting structure um, yeah. and, and be completely transparent. When we started simple growth that actually started as an LLC and the, the, I, I got upset with my accountant cause the same guy I've had 15, 20 years, but once again, we weren't speaking the same <laughs> language. So, I mean, it was via email. Finally, I called up and uh, got Greg and, and Chris on the phone. And I said, guys, what are you doing here? I'm getting uh, letters from New York state because we wanted to recategorize the business as an S corp. Right. But it didn't kind of like not normal terms saying you can be an LLC, but file tax wise as an S corp and still catch the, the benefits of both of those. So very yeah. interesting when you're going to talk to a professional like Carla, um, ask the questions. It, they, there's no stupid questions around this. And a lot of times it's just miscommunication of like, you know, we're talking about, Whatever we talk about industry specifics as professionals. And the CPA is talking their language as return. So you got to make sure you're on the same page because Greg and I were not on the same page. And I will be honest, Carl, I was frustrated. But really, the guy had my back, he knew what he was doing, but I'm ripping my hair out of here and going, Man, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. This is crazy. Like this is nuts. like, you know, he's telling me one thing, but I'm getting other letters from New York State. He goes, No, we're you know, we're filing as an S corp. Like, oh, all right. Well, not I looked on Google. And I'm like, oh, you can do that. All right, now this is what he's talking about. <laughs> so I, I think I was like, you know, I owe this gentleman an apology. But after we set up this corporate structure here. The next thing that most uh, small, medium, or even large businesses run into, especially in the lawn care industry, um, but even home cleaning as well, and pest control, is cash flow. And a lot Mm -hmm. of times we see this with seasonality, especially in our businesses. So uh, I know, at least in my business, uh, especially in the uh, the upper northeast here, where we do lawn care and snow removal, we even see it in (laughs) the companies in the south, south and southwest, is it's somewhat seasonal, even if you don't, even if you go year round, you ramp up in the spring. It's a cash outlay for marketing, advertising, equipment, repairs. And, and you really don't start seeing positive cash flow where it's extra cash flow in the bank, at least in my market, to like July or August. Um, and there's a there's definitely a seasonality of that cash flow. And then if you're uh, blessed or not blessed enough, depending on how you look at it, to have the crazy white stuff flying out of the sky as snow to plow, <gasps> by the time you've got that bank account ramped up again and you're you know, you're pushing some bottom line profits, you're dumping an extra 150, $200,000 in pre-bought materials of salt and ice melt. And then it's just this financial roller coaster of cash flow. Um, mm. and I just, it's interesting to see the perspective of simple growth where, uh, it's more of a subscription based model. It's year round spread out. And I think you're probably going to hit on this, how you can do this in the lawn care industry, but to see the comparatives of a seven figure business, um, in a seasonal business versus one that's more, um, I don't want to say level out completely. There's a little bit of seasonality, a simple growth, but you, it's completely different. So if you're not working with a CPA that understands seasonality and cash flow, that's another uh, major advantage of going to a, a vertical or industry-specific CPA. So uh, my question for you, Carla, is how do we go out and look at that cash flow from a tax standpoint or just a business operation standpoint? And are there some ways that you recommend um, to, to level out those cash flows uh for the seasonality of a lawn care and landscape business.
2: Yeah. I mean I think that the seasonality of it really affects cash flow. And I think that we all have to go in with a plan. So as long as we have a plan in place then we never have to be on that roller coaster, you know? So um, starting off with the subscription-based model, um, we're in a subscription-based era. So we're subscribing to things, some boxes. I don't know if it's a wine or anything of this sort. We're subscribing on Amazon, right? So that that's the nor- That's the new normal. I mean we are really getting out there and just um, subscribing to different services. Why can't we subscribe to landscaping lawn care services? Okay, we can bring this model and into this, especially um, when you're providing lawn maintenance services, whether that's maybe six months, um, go ahead and get your clients signed up on a subscription-based model. That way you have those predictable cash revenue coming in and you can plan for that. Okay, I'm going to get uh, $80 from XYZ person for the next six months and that is really what we wanna focus on is predictability and what we're gonna get in and what's coming out. That's really what um, cash flow revolves around with and being on a subscription-based model is really gonna help you with that and um, so as far as invoicing i see a lot of um clients fall behind on their invoicing as well and that prolongs their invoicing cycle and um their cash flow cycle so when you're performing a job or a big project make sure to invoice them the same day or even ahead of time right or have it you know where you're saying okay it's 50 percent down before and then after, we're, we're going to charge you the, the other rest 50, 50% of it. So I think just staying ahead of that invoicing is really going to help cash flow in your business. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as uh, CRMs go, such as service autopilot or jobber, that's really going to help you invoice clients. Clients are going to have a place to come where they have a client portal, and they're able to pay you quickly and easily. Um, having that within your business and staying organized. On top of that is really going to help you with cash flow, and building up that savings account. Okay, so during those busy months where you're going to have a lot of cash coming in, um, having that, you know, per, like that savings account there for the slower months um, during the winter, and being ready for the spring. Rush. Um, that's going to not only provide you with a peace of mind, but also allow you to invest in materials ahead of time or any other equipment that you may need for the spring rush that's coming up. Mm-hmm.
1: Awesome. It's a lot of good points that are break down. I'm sure Cody, you've got some questions here. I'll let you hop in in a sec. Um, but one thing I want to touch base on, I think that was really a good point that I think, especially if you're doing landscaping design build, um, you can hear the pounding in the background here. We're getting a pretty good sized landscaping job done at the house. I'm working here. Uh, but the contractor was really smart about it. Um, he dialed in what exactly was included in it in each phase, and he required a 50% deposit. And then, as each part of that phase hit a certain threshold of like 25, 50, 75, and 100%, um, there was basically a percentage of the remaining 50% that you knew cash flow wise. So, that covered his fixed and variable costs and materials, and right. basically probably part of his profit. But he knew predictably when that cash flow was going to happen. So, I think that you know, living that on a consumer end, it was nice to see it laid out in full transparency, but also being on the business end, seeing that that's going to keep the wheels greased and going. Um, the other question I had for her, not to put you on the spot, but it's very interesting that, um, a lot of times, so like in the Northeast, like a lot of people are nervous of doing a subscription because they're going to try to annualize a 12 month contract for work they're doing from April to October. Um, so is there anything that you'd recommend as a professional, at least contractually or in some way, what happens when the consumer's paying that installment from April through October and they're like, yeah, we're done. We're, we're firing you, but you still haven't caught the last four months of that installment for the work that's already been previously due. Do you front load the installment for the season starts or do you just say it's your installment while we're working? Um, uh, cause I know that's usually a big question in the service industry. We like the idea of installments, but how do we protect ourselves?
2: yeah so that that is a major question because once we come to the winter months then the clients like oh well you're not really providing like the services that you were providing before so it could be broken down um, during those six months only so just breaking them down during the months that you're actually performing um, the work, um, and then keeping it within that realm, so that the client doesn't feel like, okay, they're paying like 12 months, but okay, what's happening during the winter months? And they don't feel that weird. Like, okay, well, what are you guys performing? You know,
1: yeah, and, I, and I love it. But at least in that six or eight months, it's consistent, predictable cash flow. Especially exactly. if you have a drought, a lot of times people will be like, well, just skip the lawn mowing for the next three weeks, and then you've lost a whole month's worth of revenue. Once it's gone, it's gone. Right. But if you subscriptionized, I don't know if that's really a word, but we're gonna throw that in there. Subscriptionized oh, I love it. <laughs> in eight months, you, you you've at least created predictable cash flow for those months, no matter what the inclement uh issues going out with the weather. And it's it's you know, it's not as bad as being a farmer, but let's face it, there's been years where we've had tremendous drought And um in our business. Um, we actually somewhat of a subscription idea is we we charged 50% if people skipped it. So that caused covered our fixed and part of our variable cost, um, to keep that spot on the schedule. So there's some some interesting ways of doing that. But I'm glad you brought that up because very, very insightful. How do you keep that cash flow going um, in that seasonal business, Cody? Uh, I know been doing a lot of talking here. So, you have any questions for Carla far as um, up to this point?
0: So, my my biggest concern in moving to a subscription model is exactly what you're already hitting on, which is like, once I've done the work for you, how do I keep you on? Are you seeing any of your clients that are like? plugging in interesting services into the fall and winter to keep themselves in front of their clients.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We want to, I mean, we're going to have that cushion that we talked about that savings account for those slow months, but that doesn't mean, okay, forget about revenue, right? So we want to provide some leaf cleaning in the, in the fall. We want to provide maybe some holiday lighting, you know, um, some snow plowing services. So, we do try to bring some other revenue streams, introduce something else so we can keep that revenue flowing through those winter/slash fall months for sure. Yeah. So,
0: and then how does this impact your initial selling season? Because it's kind of like for some of these companies, this is turning into like we're a full-service outdoor home maintenance sort of company are, so how is that impacting marketing in the spring?
2: How is that impacting marketing in the spring? So I would say that maybe in the spring, we want to focus more in on like the regular maintenance and installation services rather than um, the ongoing uh, scheduled services. So the things that they're already used to, you know, getting. Mm-hmm. If that
1: makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, completely. Obviously want want to put you on the spot, but being the expert, I had faith, faith 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 You definitely would give us the right answer and, you know, drop some knowledge and obviously you are yeah. so really appreciate you being candid about that. Um, but now we're kind of looking at, at the, at the big picture, Carla, I've got this entity I've, I've broken down. Now I've got some predictable cash so through subscriptions and trying to offer additional ancillary services to raise that client lifetime value in the lower season.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, but now I'm talking about cash flow. How am I looking at my my revenue, my chart of accounts and my expense? So is there um certain naming conventions with maybe different uh numbers in the front of each account, just certain chart accounts we should be looking at as far as expenses, income, uh long-term liability as far as loans and things like that for equipment investments? Um what does that look like when we're just starting out of really refining that in our business? So maybe we're in 2020 right now, but as we go into 2021, we may want to kind of streamline and optimize some things, um, in those chart of accounts. And I don't know if it's applicable, uh, for this talk, but maybe you even want to hit on, if you're using QuickBooks classes based on the ability to separate those things out.
2: Yeah. And, um, so a lot of our clients, all of our clients, use QuickBooks online, and I think you know whatever whichever accounting software you're gonna have a chart of accounts. And in this industry, it's so important to be on top of it and organized within your chart of accounts because I see a lot of clients that I receive, you know, they have chart of accounts, but you know their assets are are not in place. They're being treated as an expense. Um, so if they purchase, you know, trailers or sprayers, you know, for the people that do pesticide, um, you know, they're, they're getting treated as expenses, but they're really not expenses, they're, they're assets. And um, that's what value that we bring in in being specialized in this industry is that we know not to just throw it in, in the expense account. We know that this is equipment that people are using every single day and that's gonna benefit the business throughout its lifetime. And having a organized chart of accounts in place is really gonna help you get that correct and accurate financial picture geared toward this green industry. So like I said, I talked about fixed assets a little bit, Um, having those assets on your chart of accounts recorded correctly, such as trucks, trailers, sprayers, whatever other equipment that you may be using. Um, Cost of services, so anything, you know, we we hear it in product um, services all the time, cost of goods sold, right? We're selling a service, cost of service. So anything that is directly related to um, given that client, um, that service should be in cost of services. So any materials, uh, fuel, machine gas, or gas that you're using to get to the client should be in cost of services. Um, any contractors or employees that you're using should be in cost of services. Other operating expenses, such as advertising, office expenses, um, your admin uh, people, people, um, those things should be separate. That should be an operating cost. And having that broken down is really going to give you a clear picture at the end of the day in your financial statements. For example, having your, your revenue broken out. So are you providing weed control services? How much are you getting from that? Um, are you providing lawn maintenance service? How much are you getting from that? So having those different line items in your profit and loss is really going to give you a clear picture of, okay, maybe I should focus in on this installation services because I'm making a lot of money. I have a lot of clients in this realm. So should I invest more advertising into doing this or we control I'm really good at this. Should I advertise in doing that? So. I think that having your chart of accounts set up the correct way is going to give you that picture as far as making the important business decisions um, moving forward.
1: I got to unmute myself here. I got the uh, you can hear the saws in the background. But anyways, I, 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 Carlos, I'm thinking that you're painting this beautiful picture of, to me, almost looks like a profit loss. I've got my gross profit. I've got my net profit. I'm breaking it down per service. Um, and then I'm also figuring out my my depreciation on my equipment um, right. over, over that five-year or whatever that span is, or right. maybe you're accelerating yeah. that depreciation. Um, obviously, you, you want to talk to your accountant, what the best uh, you know, move is. And I, one thing my account in the beginning, early years told me like, you know, you can accelerate that, but eventually at some point you're going to have to pay that back. I didn't quite understand it till we actually ended up selling the business. And lo and behold, there's some implications of when you actually accelerate and don't accelerate that depreciation. Uh, right. So once again, he knew what he was talking about. He just wasn't talking Mike language at that in the early years. So, <laughs> um, you know, bring bring it down just a simple man that mows lawns, but I need to know what that implication is. Um, but and a little off the topic, but is your painting this beautiful picture of chart of accounts here and i'm I'm just loving it. i can envision this now are you recommending or do some of your clients i guess you know if you recommend or not um do you use a budgeting feature in quickbooks online uh based on that so you have your actual versus your budget in there with the uh forecasting reports or is that something you use in a separate software what are your thoughts about using budgeting in quickbooks online or even desktop for that matter i know desktop's a little more robust but at the end of the day you kind of it paints the same picture. And I feel like most service businesses that we deal with, their first problem is, and this is probably something you don't hit on, Carla, but they don't know their cost to operate. So what their cost is, their true break even before they make a net profit. So our, our totally loaded cost break even per man hour. And then obviously they usually figure it out themselves or go to a consultant that does financial consulting to figure out, I need to charge X amount of dollars per man hour. And this is what it's costing us. So it, maybe you do that, but where does that come from, that kind of that data and then the budget and then your account? How does that all, in your opinion, come together? And it may not even something you do, but I was just curious if you had some insight. To how does all those three yeah. knowledge points kind of balance out?
2: Yeah, I understand. So I think that as far as budgeting goes, I'm not huge on budgeting, and I'll tell you why. Um, budget is something that you set up at the beginning of the year. And you say, you know, this is what we're expecting. This is the expenses we're expecting, and here you go. And it's something that you compare Like you said, this is what we have now. This is what we were expecting. Okay, that's great. I don't really like um, budgeting because it's so retrospective. You're looking at the past all the time and you're saying, oh, okay, that was great. We didn't hit that, or we did hit that. but I focus on cash flow forecasting. So we're always looking ahead. We're not looking at the rear view mirror all the time. As for budgeting, we're always looking behind. We're always saying, oh, this is what we expected. This is what we did. But what forecasting does is this is what we're going to do. This is what our numbers should look like. And this is how we're going to plan for it. So do we want to hire that extra Uh, field employee do we want to hire that extra salesperson does that make sense what kind of revenue are we looking at how much are we going to advertise what can we get back from that so that's why I look for forecasting more than budgeting as far as forecasting and QuickBooks online I use a different software for uh, forecasting cash flow forecasting Um, but they integrate with QuickBooks online and it just makes it easier to compare and contrast like you said um, it makes complete well,
1: sense. I was just curious kind of where that, and, and I thought they'd probably be outside of the scope what you, you yeah. do because most accountants don't do that. But I love the fact that you're forecasting ahead. I'm assuming that's going to tie into your projected quarterlies. Yeah. Um, and, and Cody's probably heard this story, but I'll tell you, I'll never forget the story of driving down the highway uh, when the lawn care business was, was, was a pretty good sized business and uh, Greg the accountant um, you know, God bless him again. Hey Mike, what are you doing? I'm driving down, you know, 390 the highway. We're about sorry. He goes, Oh, well, there's a restaurant, uh, next exit Trata, You might pull off over in the parking. I thought we we're maybe having an afternoon cocktail at the end of the day on Friday to review the taxes. I go, like, oh, that's great. Let's go. Some of the parking lot, Oh, you want me to come in and meet you? He goes, uh, no, I'm at the office. What do you want? He goes, well, are you parked in the parking lot? Go, yeah. He goes, well, you owe about $45,000 of taxes this quarter in two days. Now we yeah. obviously did it, but obviously that that projection of cash flow would have been pretty instrumental so our right. conversations changed significantly at that point and i agree with you 100% that cash flow projection and forecasting is, is is essential
2: yeah because i mean there are less surprises like you said you know you got that big surprise um but i i i think of it as a you know you're you're planning a trip with your family you know you're, now, you're you're driving out um and you're you're you map it out you know when where you are going from a to b but there's always things uh you know you might have a newborn you pull out to the side you have to stop now you have to call the hotel oh i'm gonna be late oh no the wife always needs to go to the bathroom a hundred times so you're gonna make those stops Okay, life is not predictable. You might have told the hotel, you know, we'll we'll arrive at five, but really it's eight o'clock. So that's how I like to describe it. Life is not predictable. I mean, look at what happened with uh, coronavirus. So that forecasting is really gonna help you because you can change it. It's dynamic, it moves with you. Mm -hmm. Um, And that in turn gives you less surprises when it comes to quarterly taxes and what we can expect um in the future so
1: awesome so i know your time is obviously very compressed schedule i appreciate you spending time with us but one more thing i want to hit on before we let you go Um, you've been awesome just dropping some really candid knowledge and and actual knowledge too as well Um, but bookkeeping so now we've got all this set up we figured out our entity we figured out our cash flow we've got the chart of accounts we're forecasting out where we need to be and it's a fine-tuned machine but, you know, I'm still out in the field right now or my team's out in the field and I'm too busy managing them. How do I keep up with my, my bookkeeping? So I'm assuming this is only good if your books are up to date. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I know that's one thing in the early years at Callahan's Lawn Care, uh, we were a little negligent. We, you know, we'd wait to the end of the month or two months to totally reconcile everything. Now it's simple growth. Um, I'm literally paying my internal bookkeeper to update everything weekly, so I know within five to seven days, literally to the penny where we're at, and the ability to see where we're at and where we're going, um, and that's going to reflect that cash flow and the chart of accounts and everything else you've talked about. It kind of without that, it kind of all falls apart. So. Yeah. Would you mind just dropping some knowledge or just some, some ideas about bookkeeping, how to keep it up to date, how to stay consistent and what's, what's a good frequency. So obviously it's simple growth, like every week may not be applicable for a lawn care or landscaping company. And it probably isn't, um, you know, obviously only one for a long time, but what would you recommend is current enough, but not too crazy that it's going to cost you too much money or drive you crazy?
2: Yeah, I think that you know falling behind on your bookkeeping is such an easy thing to do especially if you're out on the field and you have so much work um there and it can it can fall behind but it's just so costly when it falls behind not only on tax purposes but then when you go and hire a bookkeeper and then they have to do all that cleanup work it just becomes one lump sum of just bills (laughs) so I think that exactly when you first start out and you're doing your bookkeeping on your own, I think that maybe you don't need it up to date every week or every month, but you would like to have it up to date enough where, okay, um, I know exactly where I stand. So maybe every three months or six months, maybe that's applicable to you, but it it really depends on where you are in that process. So, um, we normally recommend, you know, every week or every month, you know, to have it up to date. So there are so I have a lot of, you know, clients that come in and their bookkeeping is um, not up to date. (laughs) And um, just to give you a little bit of background, I have one client, uh, she came in, her bookkeeping was not up to date, um, you know, more than a year. And she had lost out on a lot of Tax savings, and it is just so detrimental to the business because it obscures the big picture. So it obscures your financial statements. You don't know where you stand. You lose out on important tax deductions. For example, payroll and paying out your you know 1099s. And if you don't do that, you're losing out on those expenses. Um, so when I took over and I got her on track, okay, this is the tax deductions we should be um, you know, reaching and we should be paying out the 1099s and you should be on an IRA and different things like that. And then yes, there's a cost to obtaining a professional to do it, but the benefit outweighs the cost. Um, and being behind on it, like I said, you don't know if you can afford x y and z because you don't know what your financial statements look like you don't know where you stand and that is one of the major concerns that my clients come with um and so getting them up to date and having their financial picture in place tying in with that cash flow tying in with our chart of accounts we're good to go we know exactly where we stand we can make those important business decisions moving forward
1: Awesome. Great advice. And, and I guess one of the things too is I, I'll just bring up is a lot of times when we're working with businesses, by no means do we do financial consulting, but it, for some reason it always gets back to the financials. Um, especially if you're just starting out, uh, off-road sales tax credit is, is is a big one. A lot of people don't have that buttoned up. So on-road on and off-road fuel tracking that, I mean, and you can go back, I think you'd correct me, right? You can go back about three years and, and re, uh, redo your taxes and, and refile yeah. for those. Um, but I mean, we've, we've, we've literally found eight to $10,000 of literally tax credits back, um, for clients literally we're going into some overhead recovery numbers and they're like, well, you know, Hey, it looks like everything's lumped in this one sum. Like, do you guys file that credit? Well, no, we didn't know it existed. And they're like, Oh, well, wow. We, we we've got a lot of extra money to actually pay you to help us do some other stuff now because we had no idea it was there. So to, to Carlos' point, yes, it may look a little more expensive, but if, even if you're a smaller business, you may be, you know, stepping over dollars to save pennies. Like, it is probably beneficial to hire a professional like Carla over at Cycle CPA um, on Facebook. She's under the uh, landscaping uh, accounting Facebook page. But I mean, to bring an expert in and just demystify some of that stuff is really a benefit to your business. And it allows you to concentrate on what you do good. Maybe it's sales, maybe it's marketing, maybe it's being out in the field doing the work. But let an expert, in my opinion, do what they do and drive that business success. Um, exponentially. And I I just can't thank you enough coming on, Carla. Just a lot of knowledge. Really appreciate it. Um, Cody, any closing thoughts, questions before we uh, wrap it up here?
0: Yeah, I want to grab uh, Dave Voyna's question from the comments here. Carla, earlier you were talking about a tool that you use for forecasting that integrates into QBO. Do you know the name of that offhand?
2: Yeah, give me one second. There are a
1: couple. Uh, you're as bad as me. I've got them all in there, but I have no idea what name they are. Just boop boop boop.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I know. So there's the uh, Float app. There are a couple of them. Um, the Float app is um, integrates with QBO, and I think that that's a good resource as well. So.
1: Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So- uh, so, Carla, if people are interested in your expertise around accounting, especially in the green industry and landscaping, how do they reach out to Cycle CPA, or how do they find um, the landscaping accountant on Facebook? I know you've got a, a great group there where you answer questions as well as they come up throughout the year. So, uh, if somebody's interested in finding a service, how do they actually reach out and uh, contact you?
2: I think the most e- easiest way to reach out is through Facebook on the group. It's called Landscaping Accountant. Or you can reach me through email at Carla P at cyclecpa.com.
1: Awesome, Carla. Can't thank you enough. Uh, SA Weekly Talk Show coming back with another heavy hitter next week. Um, Going to be Jeremy Atkinson. And he is um, basically over at Contracting Pro. He was a uh, service autopilot user. Him uh, and his brother trip, uh, grew and scale, uh, probably just under, just over a seven figure lawn care and landscaping business and actually sold it and then got into general contracting. So Jeremy and potentially trip are going to be joining us and dropping some knowledge, how they utilize service autopilot automations and built a business to sell. And I have a feeling, Carly, he's going to be talking about a chart of accounts and a solid foundational, uh, financial plan where they exited the uh, industry and then got into, Uh, some larger contracting. So uh, always fun to see, uh, you know, friends of the SA family coming back and dropping some knowledge and checking in on them. So going to be hanging out with Jeremy Atkinson, potentially his brother Trip, um, dropping some knowledge on the SA weekly talk show next Friday, 1 PM Eastern, 12 PM central myself, Cody Owen and uh, Jeremy and potentially Trip Atkinson. So Carla, once again, thank you so much. Make sure you guys check out cycle CPA landscape account on Facebook uh, or hit her up on her email. Um, if you have some questions around accounting, uh, closing up Q4 here. Yep. Thanks
2: again, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks, guys. If you like this show, you might want to check out our resources at www.startsimplegrowth.com. While you're there, enter to win an estimator chatbot. Mike Callahan is available for private coaching.